Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hello, my beautiful friends. Thanks so much for joining us here. I know the episodes are coming out a little slower now, and that's just because my client load got heavier, and I'm going with it. This is an entirely listener-supported podcast. By supporting this podcast, you keep the content coming and people getting help free of charge. You can also get awesome stuff for supporting this podcast. For example, if you become a patron, then you get all sorts of goodies. Go check it out at patreon.com slash healing out loud. You can also support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or any other podcast platform. You can follow me on Instagram at shayjackie or grab my newsletter at jackieshay.com for more freebies. You can also come to coach with me. As a listener of this podcast, you can get some free time with me, so don't hesitate to reach out. I have a couple of other cool announcements. Noelle Janka from last episode, the guest from last episode, has an amazing offering for my listeners. She has a complimentary visioning session available for folks who want to take the spiritual aspect of their healing to the next level. If you listen to this podcast, then you know that's a lot what we talk about, and she's giving this away for free. Go check it out at noelljanka.com slash healing. Okay, awesome. The other good news I have for you is that my dear friend, Eva Hagberg-Fisher, has a book coming out in February 2019 that you can pre-order today on Amazon called How to Be Loved. Anyone who is chronically ill or human (laughs) should read this book. It is the tits. You guys, we might be using some language that little ones don't want around today, so please put headphones on or listen later. Okay, on this week's episode, I have with me Vienna Farlow, holistic reproductive health practitioner intern and the founder of The Consultant, your vagina's consultant. She is currently studying at Justice Healthworks for Women and is a member of the Association of Fertility Awareness Professionals. We get into all things women's health, from healthy cycles to fertility to abortion. If you are a woman who likes to take her health into her own hands, then this episode is for you, sister. The weekly challenge will surely change your relationship to your cycle and maybe even to your body. Sounds awesome, huh? All right, let's dive in. Hi, everybody. I'm so, so excited today. I have Vienna Farlow with me. She is a holistic reproductive health practitioner, intern, and the founder of The Consultant, your vagina's consultant. She is currently studying at Justice Healthworks for Women and is a member of the Association of Fertility Awareness Professionals. Her work is focused on demystifying the female body and teaching women and people with vaginas ways to connect with their bodies. The consultant is the culmination of her lifelong pursuit to learn as much as possible about the vagina and the people who have them, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. She believes that all female-bodied people should be empowered to know more about their bodies and the way they work. She is passionate about reproductive justice, LGBTQ and inclusion, full-spectrum care, abortion access, and 
provocation in the name of education. Hi, Vienna. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I am super excited about the conversation we're about to have. Me too. I love, I love talking about um, our vaginas and like how to take care of them and how to get to know our bodies and how to love ourselves and how to be fertile as fuck if we want to be and how to not have babies if we don't want to. Absolutely. Also my favorite topic. So this is going to be great. <laughs> so I want to quickly address that your name, your, what you go by, your company is called the, you are called the consultant. And yeah. I just, I love that so much. And it, and it brought me back to high school when my friend, one of my closest, dearest friends was reading this book called Cunt. And it's all about um, the word, the origin, like wh- where it comes from, why why it's changed so much over the years from meaning like woman in a non-derogatory way to being the most offensive word in the English language. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not the most, but up there. So I really just want to address if people feel offended or I don't know if that ever happens to you, if people get kind of like taken aback by by your name and the name of your company. Uh, and I just want to address like what does con- where does that word come from? What is its origin and why are you using it? Yeah, so all great questions. Um, it's so it's really a joke. It's a pun. I love puns, um, you know, like. It's a play on consultant. So I'm a vagina consultant, therefore a consultant. Um, and as you said in my intro, I do like to be a bit of a provocateur. So that's like where that comes from, truly. Um, but also, I think it's a word that I think cunt is a word that we should work on embracing and reclaiming more. Because like you said, yes, it's a word that actually used to mean just woman and not woman in a derogatory sense, just woman in general. So Cunt, cunt, the book cunt great book i'm gonna say cunt as much as i possibly can because now i profession i can professionally say it so I, when i registered my business name she was like do you really want to write it this way i was like yes i do it's great so um the word itself is a real word so cunny or cun you know the c-u-n we have words like cunnilingus right oral sex on a vagina um, those all have the same root word, which means woman. And it's a real word. Um, so we have words like cunning come out of the same word, kin, like family, same word, um, all those things. There's also like words like cunic potent, all powerful, like having cunt magic, um, Ooh. things like that. Yeah. Or like centric means like vagina centered um so i'm getting all this information from barbara g walker who wrote the woman's encyclopedia of myths and secrets which is something that my mom had lying around the house when i was growing up and so for me like i remember reading that as a teenager and then i also remember someone in high school too like in the girls locker room saying oh that's the worst thing you can call someone if someone ever called me the c word it would just be the worst thing and i still remember that conversation And I've just never had that charge around the word personally. So I understand when people do, not something I have. And now I'm at a point where I say it so much, I just forget I'm saying it. Um, And then, of course, yes, I did the cunt monologue from Vagina Monologues Mm -hmm. in college. So obviously that all goes together. 
And then as far as people's reactions, it's actually really based on age, I found. So women my age, so like women in their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s, find it really funny. Or like people in that age group in general, maybe not just women. But they get, they're like, it takes a minute and then they see it and then they get it and then they laugh. Women my mom's age, and also she's like lives in um, upstate New York, so maybe it's the demographics there. They don't like it. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. Typically, they'll be like, it's cute, but are you sure you want to say that? So it's not, I haven't really gotten any negative, negative feedback yet, which is nice, but mainly they're just like, nah, I don't like that word. Do you have any living so, grandmothers? How do they feel about it? <laughs> I have one living grandmother. Um, I'm not sure how she feels about it. We've never had this conversation. But my mother is like in support, but also a little bit like, I'm not sure I like that word so much. Right. But that, and yeah. that's so sad to me. And, you know, that word actually in my personal life has been used very negatively. Like, mm. It's actually a word that my father used a lot in a negative way uh, toward women in his life. And uh, you would think that that would just really have upset and be, be like a thing that makes me hate the word. And it kind of is. But I'm also like, what the fuck? How did this thing that used to mean women be woman become like so derogatory? <laughs> right? Well, like, we can we can think misogyny, right? Like right. It's just misogyny. Right, right, right. Oh, it's like with all the, I mean, look at any, ins- like most of our insults are around genitals. Just and so then, upsetting. Yeah. And then we equate, you know, the female genitals to be the worst kind of genitals you can have. And they're dirty and they're gross and they smell bad, you know. So it's just, oh, if you're a vagina, it's really bad. I mean, pussy, right? We call someone oh. a pussy when we think they're like being yeah, like weak or something like that, right? Oh, my God. Um, There's that so amazing the quote. Family. There's that amazing quote by um who said it that Betty White Betty White yeah why yeah. are why are we telling people to grow a pair of balls they're sensitive they they bruise easily you get hurt easily yeah. let's call everyone a pussy that thing can really take a beating like yeah for sure it's like like so true yeah Dan Savage I don't know if you're familiar with him but he's a sex advice columnist he'll instead of saying like um nut up or grow some balls they'll say ovary up oh good (laughs) good 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 yeah we've been saying my boyfriend and I have been saying you need to grow a vagina instead of like you know we're just like grow a vagina um yeah you're being such a ball when we're trying to say pussy we're like you're being such a testicle (laughs) but that's so That's that's so great so thank you so much um, and I'm really excited to be chatting with the consultant. So <laughs> over the last year or so, I've gotten way more interested in my female body. Maybe it's because I'm 30 or and more invested in fertility, or maybe it's because I've healed the shit out of my misogyny wounds and I <laughs> had had a really mm. big like uprising of female love, or maybe it's because I know that if I care about my overall health as a woman, then I better start fucking deeply caring about everything that goes on from the top of my uterus to the base of my vulva right so Mm. I'm always pumped to to learn more so tell me what got you so interested in the the vag yeah so it's been a lifelong passion honestly I found out I had one I was very excited about it um but since I was a really young kid like I remember probably around the age of seven being like I really want to be a midwife and 
I don't know why exactly. Like, I don't have medical professionals in my home or my family, really. There's a nurse, but otherwise, like, not really. Um, and I didn't come from, like, a particularly sex-positive household either. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's something I've always been really intrigued by. And so from a young age, like, probably also around, like, the age of 10, it was really important for me to learn all the, like, real scientific names of my body parts and not just use slang terms. Um, so saying things like vagina and vulva always a bit important to me. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, you know, just trying to find whatever information I can, like always been interested in herbs and herbalism. And then start, you know, I read The Red Tent, that book um, in the, my early teens. And that opened up a whole nother world about red tents and menstruating and then being really excited about menstruation and always wanting to bring like my girlfriends along with and be like, we should have a red tent. We should wear special things when we're bleeding. Like, this is so cool, guys. And, you know, met with varying degrees of enthusiasm from my <laughs> friends. But by large, people were down. And then from there, just kind of becoming that girl in high school, or if you needed a vagina question answered, that was me. Um, so it's just a purely, it's from a place really of just pure enthusiasm. Um, I didn't, I don't really have a history of any kind of like gynecological disorders or anything like that. So it's not really from a heal myself perspective, which often I think it is for a lot of people. Um, But it was just like, this is so fascinating and we don't know enough about our bodies and how can we know more and how can we take care of ourselves? And also this seems like something I'm not supposed to know about. So I want to know everything about it. Mm -hmm. So all those things kind of, culminated I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do you know when I grew up entirely I didn't really want to go into the medical profession and but you know I always identified as like a healer in some capacity so I started getting involved with energy medicine and Reiki in my early 20s and then from there once I started doing like more women's circles and kind of getting involved in all this witchy stuff that I was finally made available to me I started to wonder what was happening with my body. And at that point I'd been on the pill for a while and I knew a little bit about the pill. Like I was, I was, I felt like I was a fairly informed user of hormonal birth control and informed about my body. And I knew that the pill was giving me a fake cycle. It's not my real cycle. It's just kind of, it's installing a fake cycle on top of mine. So I can't get pregnant. That was my understanding. But I didn't, I didn't want to get pregnant and I wanted to know more about what was happening with my body. And so from there I started to look into like, what are the other methods? Like, yes, I could use condoms, but is there more information out there? And I eventually came to fertility awareness and I read taking charge of your fertility by Tony Weschler, that amazing tome of all things, fertility awareness. And it blew my mind. I was like 24 at the time. I'd been menstruating for over a decade And no one had bothered to explain to me how ovulation worked or that there were signs of ovulation or that I couldn't get pregnant every day of the month. It was like the best. It was such an awakening experience and also made me so angry, which I think is a response that a lot of women have to reading that book or just learning about fertility awareness is that how could I not have known this my entire life? Why wasn't I told this as a teenager? Why wasn't I told this when I got a period? And that just really was a catalyst for me. So like telling everyone I knew about fertility awareness and then 
using it in my own life and then going on a journey with that, like using it and then be like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure if I can totally do this on my own yet. Maybe I'll get an IUD. And then eventually being like, no, I'm going to like totally go down this road and become an educator and really learn how to do this in my body and regain that body knowledge that I think we all deserve are entitled to because we have these bodies and then share it with people because it's ludicrous that all of this actual like evidence-based knowledge exists about how the menstrual cycle works, about what's happening with your vagina, about the female body isn't a mystery that's just kind of tucked away in this corner that isn't brought out into like our mainstream education or even in our mainstream birth control options. Yeah. That kind of, that just really fuels me. The idea of like, there's all this knowledge over here that the most of us don't know about. And I think it's, it's really unfortunate. And honestly, it's very detrimental to us because then you start to see which maybe you've experienced in your life as well, you know, the effects of if we're not taking care of our fertility, if we're not interested in our fertility, it's not just about making babies. It's about the entire health of our system. Fertility and health are intrinsically linked. And so if you're not, if you're not healthy, you might not be fertile. And if you're not fertile, you're definitely not healthy. So that can take on a variety of permutations, but just to say it like that, and yeah I heard you say that the menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign of the body yeah and I just love that I I mean I'm I get I'm guessing you heard that somewhere else or you came up but Mm -hmm. I just haven't I just like have never heard that somehow and it's absolutely true I mean when you get sick as a woman a doctor's a fucking asshole and good for nothing if they don't ask you about what your period is like like they should always be asking you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And actually, so it's from, um, it is now accepted as the fifth vital sign in the body by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So it's, it is like in the med- mainstream medical framework, it is something that you should be asking your patients who have menstrual cycles. Doctors should be asking about if you're menstruating, when your last period was, what your cycles are like. That's something that is recommended to do. Right. So, you know, the, the vital signs being things like your body weight, your blood pressure, your temperature, things like that, and the menstrual cycle being the fifth one mm-hmm. for the and, female bodies. And they always yeah. ask, like, when was the start of your last period? But it's like, and that's good because if somebody's not mm-hmm. having a period, they need to, that's a big deal. That's a big deal question. But, you know, for someone like me who, yeah, I get a period every month, but I have insane periods, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, <laughs> why aren't you asking me any further questions? Um, yeah. So I just love that. And I have 100% used my period and my symptoms monthly that are related to my menstrual cycle to track my overall health 100 percent it is such a good marker there's other people who talk about it i think like lara bryden and other women in kind of um community talk about it as like your monthly report card your period and your menstrual cycle Mm. and just being like how did you do this month like how is your health it's like a report card for your health i like that analogy i also don't love the fact that it's like a punishment or reward I feel like a report card has that kind of like you were a good girl oh yeah sure and I don't love that but otherwise I think it's a really good metaphor but I think it 
really what it is, is your body talking to you. So, so you're learning this entire language of your body when you start to like really examine your menstrual cycle. Right. Right. Beautiful. So let's jump into what a healthy cycle looks like. Can you give us a rundown of what a healthy cycle looks like? Yeah, for sure. So just to back it up one step too. So I'm, um, the education I'm receiving as a fertility awareness educator is through Justice College, which is one of the few organizations that teach fertility awareness education at a higher level. And we graduate with a degree called Holistic Reproductive Health Practitioner. So yes, we teach women and people who cycle how to track their cycles and interpret them and observe them and all that. But then we can also help with understanding what's happening in your cycle, should it be problematic in some way. So we do have, in our method, we have some particular parameters for what makes a healthy menstrual cycle. And so we want to be looking at a variety of things. So one of those things is length of the cycle. Um, And typically, we'd like to see a menstrual cycle that's from about 25 days to 35 days in length. So that's from the first day you bleed to the day before you, the day before your next bleed, before your next period. Um, You want to be having, you know, it's around like three to five days of menstrual bleeding. And that pattern should go from like a heavy flow to a light flow. You don't want a lot of spotting on either end. Um, If you have that, that's indicative of something else going on. But you know, like bright red blood, fresh blood, not a lot of clots, not a lot of cramping. It should be kind of, it should be an event. You're like, I am menstruating now, but not, I am menstruating and I'm debilitated and I cannot get out of bed and everything hurts and I think I'm dying and I can't go to work and I can't go to school. That's a problem. That is not, that is something that is so common that we say it's normal, but it's actually physiologically not normal. That's a sign that something's off. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so much you can do to help heal yourself. So yes, if you go to your doctor, they might just say, well, some people have cycles like this, take some ibuprofen or, you know, go on the pill, just shut it all down. So that's a common response you might get from a doctor, but just to say, we can go into this more later. There's lots of things you can do to help address if you're having problematic menstrual cycles or menstruation in particular. So the first part, that's the very first part of your menstrual cycle is bleeding. And then you go into what's known as the pre-ovulatory phase or the follicular phase, which is a period of days where you'll probably not have anything coming out of your vagina. Everything feels kind of dry. There's no discharge of any kind. And they're my favorite days because you'll likely have the most energy on those days. (laughs) Yeah. So as you start to like, as you come out of menstruation and start going into ovulation, which is the midpoint of your cycle, you start to increase energy because you have all this estrogen and estrogen kind of has that effect on people where it makes them a little bit more interested in being social and chatty and um, energized. And it does like increase your strength and all these things. So yes, it's like a phase in which people tend to feel pretty good. So you'll start, you'll have these feelings like, okay, I feel great. I menstruated. I'm ready to go back out into the world. Um, And then you might start to notice some discharge from your vagina into your underwear on the toilet paper. And that discharge is typically like a white or a clear. And it has like a consistency of maybe yogurty to raw egg white. And that's called cervical mucus. So that's being produced in your cervix under the influence of estrogen because your body's getting ready to ovulate and release an egg. 
And ovulation is the midpoint of the cycle when an egg is released and then goes into your fallopian tube and waits there to see if there's going to be any sperm. And that egg is only viable for about 24 hours. So in order to extend the length of time that human beings can get pregnant, female humans can get pregnant, we created cervical mucus to help keep sperm alive. So that's what that mucus is. When you start to see it, you know, this discharge, you're like, what's wrong with me? What is in my underwear? It's a sign of health. It's a sign that you're fertile, that you're going to that fertile window. That's the only time you can get pregnant in your cycle. And that mucus is there to help sustain sperm getting to an egg should they be around. So that's the oh, middle. And so like sperm. So I knew that sperm stayed alive in your body, but the egg is really only there for 24 hours. So yeah. So the sperm from, you know, days ago, can be staying there waiting, you know, creeping mm-hmm. out, waiting for <laughs> for an egg to drop in so it can latch on. I got it. And the mucus is what's helping it stay alive. Exactly. So when we say it's kind of, it's like that's another one of the euphemisms. And like, we can make this clear. So when we say sperm live in the body for up to five days, what we mean is sperm can live in the cervix, in the cervical mucus, for up to five days and then in the reproductive tract. So they kind of move from the, through the cervix, through the uterus, up into the fallopian tubes where they'd find an egg if there was one. So that is what is keeping sperm alive. It's cervical mucus. Cool. The cervix and cervical mucus are like the only reason any of us exist. They are the true heroes of the human race. Oh, so the cervix, cool. like that's like the mucus is all made there and it's made in these things called the cervical crypts. And if you look at, it's hard, there's not always images of these around, but you can Google cervical crypts and they line the inside of the cervix, which is that lower part of the uterus that's in the vagina. So if you were to like insert a finger as far back as you could into your vagina, you'd feel this kind of little donut-y thing. That's your cervix. That's where menstrual blood comes out of. That's where cervical mucus comes out of. That's where a baby would come out of if you were giving birth. Yeah, it's amazing. And you guys, you can do your own cervical exams. I got to do my own cervical exam with like a speculum that I own. So cool. (laughs) Yes, I have so many speculums. Oh, and it changed my life. It was like so healing for me to see my body that way and know that I could take care of myself on a deeper level like that. Anyway, continue. Tell it. No, you're right. Yeah. Let's go back to that too, because that's a whole nother thing about like, look at your body. It's not just for other people. Right. Right. But yeah. So anyway, ovulation happens and it's an event that happens once in a cycle. You only ovulate once. You can't ovulate one day and then ovulate another day. You can't ovulate due to sexual stimulation, to falling in love to smelling something it's just it only it's because of the hormones in your body that are on this particular pattern only happens once it only happens once and okay okay so one time just reiterating that because that's something that's for some reason that's not as well known as it should be right happens once and then you'll start to notice that your cervical mucus will dry up again so at a certain point you'll have mucus from in a healthy cycle, we're looking at the or the the range would be three to nine days of cervical mucus, and then it goes back to dry. And but you you're not fertile. But you're not fertile those three to nine days. You're only fertile one of those days. N- no, that's not quite true. You are fertile. The way we would define it is you are fertile every day you have cervical mucus. 
Cervical okay. mucus is the number one indicator of fertility. Because the um, sperm is then living in the body. So the egg, exactly. is, the egg is only there for 24 hours, but the sperm is in the body. So you're fertile for those three to nine days. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So when we, say, when we say that, we really, when we talk about the fertile window, it's really the fertile window in relation to sperm. Um, so, oh, you know what? Fucking A. I'm starting to get angry too. Well, but it's, it's, it's um, I think, you know, it's just, that's biology. That's just how it is. Because our bodies are set up to be reproductive units. And nature is like, let's make babies. How can we make babies happen? No, I mean, um, I just wish that I had known that. You know, oh, like, okay. I heard you, I heard this, you do another podcast. And I was listening about this cervical mucus specifically. And I heard you describe that, like, you are fertile when you have cervical mucus. I heard you saying that. And you were like, this is what it means. And I was one of those young girls who thought I had a yeast infection all mm. of the time because I always had discharge and I had mm-hmm. so much discharge and I was like I'm like gro- I thought I was dirty and gross and had yeast mm. infections and like none of that was true I was just like super fucking you know young and fertile and shit and yeah exactly <laughs> and um, I'm like it is sad to me that that was that that was not something that my mom knew and could tell me um, yeah. So anyway, so anyway, all of this is just really good information. So continue. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So we say cervical mucus is the number one indicator of fertility. So if you're having that, you are fertile and you can get pregnant. Um, our method talks about um, the justice talks about like peak type mucus and non peak type mucus. Some other methods talk about fertile and infertile mucus. And I would say infertile mucus is kind of a misnomer. Because all mucus is potentially fertile. Um, Some of it might be harder to get pregnant on if you're trying to get pregnant, but all of it's possible. So if you don't want to get pregnant, don't have unprotected sex, or put a penis in your vagina (laughs) when you have cervical mucus. Right. um, Just to be on the safe side. So that's the reason for cervical mucus. And you're right, like a lot of people think what is wrong with me? Why am I, what is all this discharge happening? You go to your doctor and your doctor's like, I don't know, or you're fine. And they don't give you any other information or they do a test. and You're like, Oh, you don't have any infection. You're like, but I keep getting this discharge. What's going on? It's normal. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are having discharge of some variety every single day of your menstrual cycle and it smells bad and you feel bad, that's a different issue. Mm-hmm. But so we're talking like in a, in a healthy cycle, you'd have somewhere, you know, I, I think the average I would be about six days of cervical mucus and then it would go away. And then you'd have nothing. Like you just kind of feel sort of dry, neutral, not dry in a bad way. Just like there's nothing at the vulva for the rest of your cycle until you bleed again. Mm-hmm. And what's so happening, would, yeah. what's happening in that phase, the luteal phase between the ovulation and the bleeding? Yes. So the luteal phase or the post-ovulatory phase is exactly that. It's after ovulation. And so once that happens, like I said, estrogen is like that first hormone we have in the first half of the cycle. And we have it all the way through our cycle. But the second half is ruled primarily by the hormone progesterone. So progesterone is produced after the egg is released from the ovary. There's the follicle that was housing the egg in the ovary is left behind. And that becomes a temporary gland. We just make an entire gland um, called the corpus luteum. It means yellow body. It looks yellow. And that produces progesterone. 
So once that starts producing progesterone, that stops further ovulation from occurring and that dries up your cervical mucus. So in that second half of the cycle, one, your body's like, okay, we're done ovulating. We're going to prepare for a potential pregnancy. So the endometrium, the lining of the uterus, starts to become blood rich. Like all, it becomes vascul- vascularized, like all these blood vessels start popping out and or in, I don't know, it's in the uterus. Um, it becomes secretory. It has all these, you know, the secretions that help support the life of a baby if one was to occur basically just creating a really nice nest in your uterus should a pregnancy occur um and that's the corpus luteum will do that and then if a pregnancy doesn't occur the corpus luteum is going to die um anywhere between like 11 to about 16 days the corpus luteum dies your hormone levels drop and you start menstruating again that's what's happening on the inside and that's you know, so the corpus luteum would keep producing progesterone if you were to get pregnant, but it stops because it only has a short lifespan. And then the whole thing just starts over again. Amazing. Amazing. So this is the perfect time to take a break for the weekly challenge. Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Vienna, what is our challenge this week? So this week, I'm challenging you and inviting you to chart your menstrual cycle. So it doesn't have to be like you don't have to use a specific method. You don't have to like go out and get special education. I would just invite you to pay attention to what's happening in your body on a daily basis. So how do you feel today? Start there. So do you feel energized? Do you feel tired? Do you feel sad? Do you feel happy? Do you feel neither? What's your feelings? Then how does your body feel? Do your breasts feel particularly tender or different? Do you have, like, does your vulva feel different? Do do you have things coming out of your vulva or not? How did you sleep? What were your dreams like? Did you have a bunch of sex dreams? Did you not? Did you have other kinds of dreams? So just noticing day to day, like, how did you feel? And checking in with your body, your emotions as well, but also kind of looking at, Did I notice changes maybe in my underwear, maybe when I wiped, little things like that, and just make a note of them. And even little things like I was particularly itchy today, or I had a headache, or I really craved this particular kind of food, write that all down, and then go back and look at it Mm. and see if you can notice a pattern. And that's really when we're talking about fertility awareness, menstrual cycle charting, we're just noticing change with just these, like that's something my teacher, Geraldine Mattis, will talk about all the time, just just notice change. So spend the next week noticing how things change from day to day. Amazing. So I do this on an app 
that mm-hmm. only after listening to you yesterday did I discover is only good for me noticing charting these things but not so good for me knowing when I'm ovulating um so I are there apps we can use that you find because I do think that that is a way that people will actually do it when it's easy on an app and you can do it before you go to bed at night um are there apps that you would suggest yeah so with apps I agree like they're easy we all have phones now and we use them um I would use an app for charting your period from an awareness standpoint alone. Like what is, when did, when did I get my period? When did, like, how did I feel? How much did I bleed? Things like that. I would never use an app for birth control unless I had received education in a specific fertility awareness method first. Um, If you just want to monitor kind of what's happening with your health on a sort of casual basis an app is great for that um some apps like apps like kindara um have have been influenced by fertility awareness methods so they'll allow you to track more things than just you know when you got your period um so you could use that and then start to track cervical mucus so you can use an app for birth control in relation like in along with proper education from an educator uh, otherwise, I wouldn't use them for birth control at all because I feel like that's dangerous. And any app that's telling you when you're ovulating, unless that app has you have put in a bunch of information like your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, all of that stuff, if it's just giving you a prediction based on when you had your period, that's a bunch of lies. That's the rhythm method. That is how people run into problems because the app is just making a guess. And so a lot of the apps, like especially like the really cheap ones or the free ones, they're really just using the rhythm method, which is based on the idea that women have a 28-day cycle and we all ovulate on day 14, which is not true (laughs) at all. And that's like why the rhythm method has such a bad reputation, (laughs) deservedly so, because it is based on a calculation. It's an old school algorithm that doesn't really work because it's not based on real-time data come on guys fertility awareness is real-time data you're looking daily to see what's happening in your body you're not using projections you're not saying i ovulated on day 14 my last six cycles i'm just going to assume i'm doing it this cycle that's also how people get into problems so problems equals pregnancy (laughs) yeah like you run into like a pregnancy that they didn't plan to have um (laughs) Problem pregnancies. Yeah, so I would. Yeah. Right. So I would. I would recommend starting with an app if you just want to kind of get familiar with your body. Um, read a book like Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And some people can really like learn to chart their cycles that way from just reading. But I would recommend getting an educator because that's how you get the highest quality education and you can get higher efficacy and really understand what's happening with your body, especially if you have quote-unquote irregular menstrual cycles fertility just fertility awareness is like still is accessible for anyone even if you're like i always i have 45 day menstrual cycles or i get a period three times a year or i get a period like twice a month right those are all things that you can work with some things might be more challenging than others but you don't need to have a perfect cycle to start doing this right often if you have a problematic cycle i would say the number one thing you can do 
is just start paying attention to it. I love it. Your body is asking for your attention. Mm -hmm. If you give it your attention, if you give your menstrual cycle your attention, if you give your vagina your attention, then it'll you'll start to understand what's happening. And I think that can just help alleviate a lot of the discomfort if we first give it the attention it's asking for. Got it. Beautiful. Love it. Tell me, I want to get into the Justice um, Fertility Method. We're going to talk all about that in just a second. I'm just going to tell you guys that I use an app called Clue. Um, what Vienna is saying is super important. Do not use it to track your ovulation, but it does ask a lot of questions, not including about cervical mucus. But if that's a way that you can just start to pay attention to your body, it's very user-friendly. Um, and please don't use it to not get pregnant. Awesome. So <laughs> tell us, what is the Justice Fertility Method? Yeah, so the, the Justice Method of Fertility Awareness is one of the methods that's out there. There's a number of them. Um, but it is a particular method that is a symptothermal method. So we're looking at cervical mucus, like I've mentioned before, and basal body temperature. And basal body temperature is your temperature the first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. So you use a special thermometer called a basal body thermometer, and you take your temperature each morning, and you record that. And then throughout the day, you're checking for cervical mucus, and you're recording that at the end of the day as well. Um, so with Justice, the way we check for cervical mucus is by wiping. We don't do ex internal checks. Some other methods have you check for cervical mucus at the cervix. So that would mean you're inserting a finger into your vagina throughout the day. This doesn't require that. It's just when you wipe and whenever you're going to the bathroom, anytime your pants are down, you just fold a piece of toilet paper flat and wipe across front to back, um, across the vulva, across the perineum. So that spot between the anus and the vagina, otherwise known as the taint. You just wipe across there and you see like, how did that feel? Did it feel dry? Did it feel smooth? Did it feel slippery? And then you look at the tissue and you see if there's anything on the tissue that you can pick up. And if you can pick it up, you pick it up, you touch it, you stretch it. And then you record all that information. Just beautiful, you guys. Isn't yeah. that just beautiful? Aren't you just like, I can't wait to pull my pants down, wipe, and pick up what is on the toilet paper. <laughs> Gonna touch my fluid. Yes. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm one of these people that actually loves the time of the month when it's slippery. <laughs> yeah. It's like so much better. So great. So keep going. So that you check, you check your cervical mucus. Yeah, you do that, and then you're taking your basal body temperature, and then you record that on a chart. So we have a specific charting system that uses um, – we use stickers. There's stickers involved, and a particular kind of notations and all this, and you're just kind of tracking that throughout your cycle. And then what you can do with that information is really whatever you want. If you're avoiding pregnancy, there are rules for avoiding pregnancy. So if you have cervical mucus, don't have penetrative intercourse that involves the penis of semen. <laughs> if you don't want to get pregnant, um, if you feel very compelled to have sex at that time, we're not going to judge you, but I would recommend using a barrier like a condom at that time. So you can, some methods, um, especially more uh, religious methods, so things like natural family planning, don't allow for another method, a barrier or something at a fertile time. We do allow for it in just these. But just remind people that you're no longer using justice for birth control. You're using it for fertility awareness. So you're, ma you're making an informed choice. You're saying, I'm fertile right now. 
but I'd also like to have sex. And I also don't want to get pregnant. So I'm going to take measures to make sure I don't get pregnant. Um, also knowing that the only time you, a birth control, like a condom could fail is in your fertile window. So you have all that information at your disposal and then you can do what you want with that, which is the beauty of the method is it's all like in your hands. You are literally taking control of your fertility to quote the other book. Cause this is not, you're not relying on an external device. You're not relying on a drug. You're not relying on a device. You're not relying on a doctor. And so obviously there's a higher level of self-responsibility and self-control involved in that. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you have a steady partner who is male and has active semen, there's going to have to be more responsibility on everyone's part to make sure you both achieve whatever goal it is. So if you're trying to get pregnant, you kind of reverse the rules and you're just like, okay, this is, I see mucus. I'm going to have unprotected intercourse. We're going to try to make a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and also, it's so empowering. Like the empowerment yeah. for me anyway, that goes into knowing my body that well and being able to take care of myself without having to call a doctor or be on take a pill or ingest something that might not be good for myself, but to have total control over my health in that way, you guys, it's hugely empowering. Absolutely. And even if you're not even if you're not interested in ever having a baby, even if you're not in a relationship with someone who has penis, if you're a lesbian or whatever your identity and what you're trying to, what your life is like at any of that fertility awareness works for you if you have a menstrual cycle. And it's really, I like to drive this point of it's about health, fertility and health go hand in hand. So there's something off with your menstrual cycle. It's a sign that something is off in your body. So I'm really starting to feel like the birth control aspect of fertility awareness is actually the side effect. And the real reason for it is the body knowledge. Because Mm. like you said, like it is so empowering. And so when you have, you're given actual information about when you can get pregnant and when you can't, and then also you're given information about like, am I healthy? So we can look at your menstrual cycle and decide like, and see potentially like, do you have some kind of thyroid issue happening? Do you have an infection? Do you have a food allergy? Is there too much stress in your life? Are you having, um, are you not ovulating every cycle, which is really important for your health? Are you bleeding too much? All these things. Like, do you have a fibroid? Do you have endometriosis? Could you have PCOS? Mm. Those are all things you can see from just charting your cycle. So I really believe that everyone who has a menstrual cycle should be charting their cycle in some capacity even if it's not like a super detailed method but just paying attention to it because it is really vital information and it's a blessing that we have it in this body and so often we talk about the menstrual cycle or menstruation as the curse right but it's really a blessing because it is this insight into what's happening in our body and that is so easy for me to just say especially like as someone who doesn't have super problematic periods I know lots of people do, and I'm sure hearing that, like, it's a blessing. You're like, fuck you. It's the worst thing. Um, But your body is trying to communicate something, Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of help for you. Even if your doctor has told you your entire life the only thing you can do for yourself is go on the pill, I assure you there are many other routes available to you. It just might take a little bit more looking around. So 
that's also kind of the whole point of why I've, why I do the work I do as a consultant is I don't know everything. I know a few things, but I know a lot of other people who know a lot more things. So if you're a person having problems with your periods, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to try and help you or direct you to other people who could, because it's ludicrous. The only method that doctors really have by and large to help us is putting us on synthetic hormones, giving us a drug or removing our organs, like Mm -hmm. a hysterectomy. And not that, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Right. And I'm not just like flat out against hormonal birth control in any way, nor am I against like people having hysterectomies if they need to. But there is just a wealth of knowledge available to you. Right, 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 right. There are other options and we need to educate ourselves and we need to be educated so that we can help, so that we can help ourselves. Um, so beautiful. And I, you know, if you can actually give us a couple of things, like I went on this hunt, I started going on this hunt for solutions to a very heavy period, not pain, Mm -hmm. no, you know, had pelvic ultrasounds, like nothing serious, just like family history. Everyone in every woman in my family has had a hysterectomy or an ablation, right? Like so Mm. much bleeding, Mm. um, no endometriosis, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of went on this hunt to like, what can slow the flow? Like what, and I know that it's not just heavy, ble- like there are things I can do and it is, my body is speaking to me and saying like, slow down. Your uterus is tired, can't close, like <laughs> rest on the days of your period. There are things that I'm learning, but I also learned a lot about raspberry leaf tea and nettle leaf. And I drink those, I drink those teas now, like every day, vaginal steaming. Do you have any mm-hmm. kind of like go-tos? I learned about chaste tree herb and, um, a, a slow flow. Um, are, are there any sort of go to suggestions you have for people with like yeah heavy periods or or endometriosis or something pick a thing yeah so (laughs) I'm not an herbalist so I can't speak to that um and I think it also really depends on everyone's individual makeup so it's it's kind of a harder question to ask because it's people are so different right um but yeah I would say things that you've said already like one rest if there is anything you are going to do for yourself to help with any kind of problematic period, rest. And it's hard to do because we don't live in a culture in the U.S. at least where we support and allow women to just have a period um, or like take time off from work, which would be insane to so many people. But honestly, if you can take that first day of your period and stay in bed or stay close to bed or not do much at all and have someone else do things for you do that as in whatever capacity you can like that would be number one um vaginal steaming also great excellent one i heard your episode with kelly garza of steamy chick who is my teacher for vaginal steaming as well that can be a really great one to just help relax and it's you know it's not it's not cleaning the vagina some people start to think oh you're just cleaning the vagina it's self-cleaning yes it is and you're not doing that it's more of a relaxation and circulation practice so that might be good um diet and lifestyle right right? those are things people say all of the time but those things make a huge difference so if you're having extra heavy periods or extra light periods or things like that 
it could be due to something you're eating or drinking or not eating or drinking. So totally recommend nettle infusions, herbal infusions like that, nettle especially. Those are great. Um, if you want to seek out more particular help, doctors of Eastern medicine or Oriental medicine, acupuncturists, mm-hmm. those are great resources. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinese medicine really takes into account the menstrual cycle in the way that a lot of like Western doctors don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that would be a great place to start. I think a lot of places now have acupuncturists in a way that they didn't in the last, you know, mm-hmm. a decade ago or so. Mm-hmm. So seek that out. So many resources, Uh, like it's kind of endless. You can travel down so many different roads. And I think that's what I've learned about healing from Lyme and healing in general is like there really Mm. is no dead end in, in these sort of elusive things that feel like you, there's nowhere to go. There's actually so many options. Now there are not endless finances. So like I totally understand what it's like to be like, okay, but I have $60 in my checking account. So what the fuck am I going to do? Um, I get that too. And I I don't want to discount the people that are in that position, Mm -hmm. but you know, you, you become resourceful and start looking at other options. And what's crazy is that it's endless. Like, There are so many different options, so many different thoughts and beliefs, and like there's just always hope for healing. Um, I'm going to move on quickly because we don't have much time left, but I, can I move on or do you want to say something else about that? No, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's not, it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be as simple and easy as just changing your diet. Uh, So yeah, these, you don't have to like sink a bunch of money into this and I wouldn't think about it that way either just say you know you're investing in your health if you can invest that money but it doesn't have to be expensive and yes there are like so many resources you can go to and books you can read and things you can google right right and even something like vaginal steaming like you do that shit from home you buy the herbs they're not that expensive and you just get some water and some fucking i don't know your vagina (laughs) it's not it's not so bad so yeah there are so many options and resources and you have a bunch in their books and we'll be linking to everything I want to bring up kind of a um a touchy subject because when I was looking through your website which is just beautiful and I I want to work with you really it's just there's so much there's so much that you offer um but one of the things that you offer that I thought was so different is abortion doula support Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that is just like stunning to me. You say the decision to have an abortion is complex and you deserve to be support- supported and deeply cared for during this time. I provide full spectrum support, which can include discussing options, attending your appointment with you, emotional support and aftercare. Sliding scale. Now, I had an abortion and uh, a while ago and it was 100,000 times percent like the right decision for everyone involved (laughs) for various reasons and it is amazing um the way it affected me brutally Mm. really brutal and so um so so traumatic and and so I saw this and I was like wow You know, I didn't even think that like that existed out there and that would have been really useful to me at the time. And I'm sure there maybe there are people listening right now who are even considering and I would just urge anyone to get support throughout the entire process if possible. But what is it that made you want to offer this service? 
So I am very, very passionately pro-choice, and I would even go so far to say as I am pro-abortion. And it's something that I found that there's just not a lot of support around. So I've always been interested in birth and supporting women through birth. And if you do any kind of work in birth, you know that that's a space that's not that supported, even though we need it to survive as a species. Um, But there's a full spectrum of things that happen with our bodies and with pregnancy. And abortion's always been one that's I've always really cared deeply about and cared deeply about supporting the women who go through and the people who go through abortions, especially because we live in a country that seems so determined to make it as difficult as possible. So um, full spectrum care is something if you're looking for like a full spectrum doula, that's kind of a code word in a way to talk about. There's someone who can help you with the loss end of the spectrum. So if you have an abortion, whether it was one you chose to do an elective abortion or a therapeutic abortion or something you had to do, or if you had a miscarriage or a stillbirth or things like that, we are people who are interested in helping you through that process and supporting you in whatever way you need to be supported. And so in the abortion support work I do in the doula work, a lot of that time that just looks like sitting with someone And, you know, people who do like medical abortions at homes, you know, they get the medication and they actually have the abortion process in their home. Um, Supporting people through that is a lot of what I've done. And just, you know, I've had some really, really beautiful experiences with it, where if you can set up a space where it's like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the best choice. You feel informed in your choice. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to feel bad about it. You can if you want to, if that's like where you want to go, you can, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the times I've done it, it's just been like a bunch of girlfriends hanging out and one person is going through an experience and we're all there to just make sure that they're supported the entire time. So that really varies on what the person looks like, but it can be like, you know, we bring food, we bring things to drink, we hang out, we have some like pain, uh, like uh, coping skills, management, stuff like that. And then I just, you know, check in with the person throughout the process and afterwards to make sure everything's going all right, to see if they need any kind of other support. And that's about it. Um, It can also be, while I haven't worked with a lot of miscarriage clients, that's also something that is really important to me, supporting people through. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so, it's really still so taboo. It is. I am a person that talks out loud about like all of my life experience. And that is one thing that I'm like, am I allowed to say that out loud in public with an audience? Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, it's the thing about abortion is that abortion has existed for as long as we've been having babies. It is not a new concept. We have known how to get things out of our wombs forever it's just in the last like 40 years that it's become such a highly moral issue. It really didn't used to be this way. Abortion was only actually illegal in the U.S. for about 100 years. And prior to that, it wasn't that big a deal. It really wasn't. Like even from a church perspective, like people didn't really seem to care all that much about it. Um, and it was a really private matter. It was taken care of in your home. And midwives would help women have abortions when they needed to. And it just wouldn't be something, you know, you didn't have to go to a clinic so that everyone knew that's where that happened and people would gawk at you. You do it in the privacy of your own home. And it's also, 
been the safest outcome of a pregnancy forever and will always be that way as well. Even when abortion was illegal in the U.S. and lots of people died from botched abortions, which in no way to minimize that, but also to say a lot of people had abortions and we just never heard about it because they were totally fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, having a full-term pregnancy and birth is way more dangerous than having an abortion. Mm. If we're just talking about danger, which, you know, they're both natural processes. But just to say that, so one, abortion's been around forever. And two, it's not necessarily unnatural. There's not anything unnatural about abortion. Plants and animals abort as well. Um, And not all pregnancies end in a live birth. Right. And sometimes that's tragic, very tragic. And sometimes that's, you know, an intended outcome. But even the the estimate is 25% of all pregnancies will end in miscarriage. And miscarriage is a word that we use as lay people to mean a pregnancy that ended when we didn't intend for it to end. But in the medical community, that's just known as a spontaneous abortion. So, Mm, right, right. You know, so there's all these ways we can look at it. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just part is that full spectrum, right? It's part of the fertility. It's part of the pregnancy spectrum. And it should be completely supported because Mm -hmm. people need support through these times. Right. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, something I really, I really, really care deeply about. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And if there was any suggestion I could give to anyone going through that process or or maybe if you end up going through that process one day you know it would be to really get present and get a lot of support around you and go kind of go through the experience as it's happening and to keep to to keep being present and to keep talking about what you're feeling and to have um emotional and therapeutic and and physical uh and spiritual support um yeah and feel totally entitled to that because it is like the post-abortion is the same as like postpartum. If we care about supporting people through that period, we should care about supporting them through postpartum, regardless of whether or not they have a live baby at the other end of it. Right. Right. Um, amazing. Thank you so much. I, I, God, there were so many other things I wanted to ask you like about, um, fertility uh any fertility advice you have but but it's good because anyone who's interested in getting pregnant not getting pregnant or their body in general um can go find you where can everyone find you yeah so i'm on the internet mm-hmm. i have a website <laughs> it's uh theconsultant.com so c-u-n-t-s-u-l-t-a-n-t um, and then you can find me on social media. I'm the most active on Instagram, which is the consultant, but it's spelled with a V because you can't put cunt in a username on Instagram. So it's C V N T S U L T A N T. So it looks like Cavunt Sultant. The Cavunt mm-hmm. Sultant. The Cavunt. Yeah. The Cavunt. The Cavunt. I know. Very <laughs> Yiddish or something. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. You can reach out to me on my website or through social media. Happy to talk to people all the time about all the things. 
Beautiful. Amazing. All of those links will be in the show notes. And don't forget to do your weekly challenge and check in with your body. And women who are listening to this, um, take a moment right now to send a message to me or to Vienna on Instagram to friend us and send a message talking about like what this what this episode made you see and feel. I promise to read every message and get back to you. And um, because, you know, this is about communication and standing together and uh, healing. So take an opportunity, take it, take a time to to do that and reach out with any questions. All right. Uh, Thanks, Vienna, again. And you guys will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.